Well, Gerald, it's great to have you back on The Real Money Show. Always a pleasure. It's great being on. And uh, we want to get right right into it here. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot in the headlines right now about Trump's trade wars. And I was wondering if you can help our listeners understand, you know, what what we need to know, what the average person on the street needs to know about what's going on with these trade wars. Well, first of all, we don't believe trade wars are going to happen. Yes, there will be tariffs. Uh, it's a reality in the States, and you guys know I'm a political atheist. I don't take sides on things. Before the United States joined NAFTA, for example, in 1994, um, we were flat with our trade with Mexico, for example. Now we have about what a $70 billion merchandise trade deficit. With Canada, we have what about a $17 billion merchandise trade deficit. Uh, Clinton had promised to give us 200,000 more manufacturing jobs. We've lost about uh, over 900,000. Uh, since China's been in the World Trade Organization, we've lost about 3.5 million manufacturing jobs. Um, we have a $375 billion merchandise trade deficit with China. So who would do business under those terms? Forgetting countries, just put it into a, your personal life. And that's what's really going on over here. The fallacy coming from the administration over here is that the Chinese stole all of the technology. That's not true at all. What happened was, was manufacturers in Europe and the United States went to China to get their products made by basically slave labor uh, employees back in the day. And they could bring the product back and then sell it at a higher uh, rate of profit. And with China, of course, they made the deals the way they wanted to in the sense that, well, I'll tell you what, you guys can open up a firm over here, but you only can own 49% of it. And uh, you build, we'll build a place with you. Most of the, a lot of these places are state-owned as well. And they, sold, they gave away the technology. It was part of the deal. And they did it for the bottom line. Now, let's go to the tariffs. The big one coming up, of course, on Friday is that the United States will put some $34 billion worth of tariffs onto China. That comes out to the grand total of 0.1% of their GDP. It accounts for nothing. So tariffs and trade wars aren't what's moving the markets. Fundamentals are. So, and then on that note, we're also noticing that, uh, and this will lead to the other, the next question, that they're talking about the fact that the yuan has gone down recently, which seems like a great way to circumvent any possible tariffs because now your your currency is lower and it just allows better exports. Would you see that as something that's true, or just part of the part of the overall? It's part of the overall misrepresentation what's going on. They don't want the yuan to go any lower. You're looking at what's going on now in China. The yuan, by the way, fell in June to the biggest drop ever since China's joined into the group back in 1994. You know, you're looking at China's gross domestic product, you know, slowing below what they wanted. You're looking at numbers coming in. China's fixed investment rate has dropped 6.1% in May, down from 7% in April, 
and it's the slowest rate of expansion since the National Bureau of Statistics started this series in 1996. Industrial production in China is at a 22-year low. So, retail sales down 10% in April to the slowest growth pace in 15 years. Why do I mention this in going back to exports? No, they don't want a weak yuan because the last time they had when there were massive capital outflows. The United States, 70% of our GDP, consumer-based, 77% in China. They need people to buy stuff. And with a cheaper yuan, it's not going to happen. No, they don't want this yuan to go lower. So on on the back of that, you've got... China not wanting this to go much further down, but you're also seeing the U.S. dollar rising pretty strongly recently, as well as oil. Let's let's talk about North America then and the rising U.S. dollar. The dollar's getting stronger for the fundamental reason that the Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates. And it, it's still, even after raising them all this time, what are we looking at? 1.75, 2.0 overnight rate. The dollar is getting stronger, again, because of all the other weaker currencies, not because things are, the, the economy is doing okay here because of the tax breaks that gave so much to the corporations and all the stock buybacks and merger and acquisition activity in the states. That's at record levels for this time of year because of those tax breaks. But going on, on the bigger picture of it, look at what's going on in Europe. Remember they had a meeting in June. They were going to cut out that quantitative easing, the European Central Bank, by the end of the year. A week later, and we changed our mind. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to raise interest rates until maybe September 2019. The dollar is getting stronger. I mentioned what's going on in, in, in um, China. Now let's take a look at India. Ah, that's the fastest growing GDP in the world. Oh, oil prices you mentioned? Oh, yeah, they're at, uh, now they're hitting uh, two, November 2014 levels. Oh, oil prices, petrodollars, oil is based on dollars. India, oh, the rupee is at an all-time low against the dollar. Oh, they import 80% of their energy. Oh, as their currency is declining. So, China, biggest importer of energy in the world. The yuan is declining. Dollar-based oil, petrodollar. Emerging markets sinking. Dollar debt around $11 trillion. They borrowed it when the dollar was cheap. Their currencies are declining. Name the country. Want to go to Argentina? Take a trip to Brazil. One after another. They got to pay back that debt in dollars as their currencies are declining, as oil prices are rising. We are on the cusp here of a volatile situation just on the economic front that has us concerned. And when you add in the geopolitical, then we're very concerned. Yeah, you know, there's this sense right now that, you know, we're in the midst of the of summer. 
things sh- were in this kind of it feels like kind of an economic pocket. No one's really worried about anything, but you're starting to see these things occur where you're you're seeing the dollar go higher. It's having an it, it has an immediate effect, right, a, a, to the emerging economies. And you wonder how much longer that can that can go on for. Um, now, you you wrote a, a trend alert on the 21st of June uh, discussing uh, trend lines determining the value of gold, which we're also seeing sort of move sideways, meander a little lower. Uh, can you discuss your recent alert there and uh, what we can expect on um, maybe gold as well as oil in the U.S. dollar near term? All right, let's start with oil and put it together. I mentioned oil. You're, you're looking now at Brent crude touching $80 a barrel. If Brent crude hits $100 a barrel, kiss the equity markets goodbye. And what's your safe haven asset? Gold. When they keep talking about, again, when people are talking about tariffs and trade wars and we're watching the price of gold go down, we're saying no. Gold is not, gold should be going up if there's going to be tariffs and trade wars. Gold is your ultimate safe haven asset. Watch the price of gold. As goes gold, so goes where you're going to see the world's economy go. So now going back to the dollar. Gold is going down because of the strong U.S. dollar. Again, not only are, are, is oil priced in dollars, so too is gold. So now you're in Argentina, and you've got a 40% inflation rate. Your peso is going down to nothing. Take a trip to Turkey with your lira, your, 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 again, the rupee, the rupia in, in Indonesia, it's going to cost you more to buy gold. So where's gold going? Here's our forecast. We believe gold has another, at the worst, around $1,200 is the lowest point we can see. Again, I want to make this very clear. We do not provide financial advice. We have no advertisers. We are trend forecasters, so we're not selling anything here. We believe the upside risk of gold, when it breaks over $1,450 an ounce, which has been unable to do now for five years, it will take a Bitcoin spike, meaning that it'll hit highs that were unimaginable before, breaking well over 2000 and above. What's going to cause that? Oil prices. What's going on, I said, we're concerned about the economic, but the geopolitical. And the geopolitical we're looking at is the, the group that has been formed by the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia targeting Iran. When Trump put those sanctions on Iran, again, and is prohibiting people from buying or dealing with oil in November of this coming year, that's when the oil price spike took another shot up. If there's conflict with Iran, you're going to watch, watch gold prices. So here's, again, I began trading gold back in the late 1970s, and it was because of Iran, by the way, the conflict going up there. And I said to myself, as everybody got caught into the political aspects of it, what will this mean if there's a revolution over there? What will happen to gold and oil prices? Mm-hmm. So as a young guy, not knowing what I was doing, I started playing the futures markets and put a $5,000 bet to almost three-quarters of a million. 
lost a lot of it, most of it as well, on the way down, learning about how to do this. Anyway, we believe that for those people that are doing it, speculating in the futures market is one of them, is that we believe gold by this time next year will be probably be at new highs, the way things are going now. So if people are playing into the future, whether it's the physical or playing the markets, we would suggest that in a year's time from now, it'll be a totally different gold market. It's interesting to hear you talk about oil because I feel like that's something that has not been on the table in terms of a relationship with gold for maybe at least a decade. I, I remember when we were starting this show, we used to talk about oil and watch out if oil gets above a certain price, you're gonna. that's clearly an indication of inflation. Actually, just yesterday, there was an article on Zero Hedge talking about the potential uh, closing of the Straits of Hormuz. So yeah, it's interesting to see that the oil is back in the limelight here as a as a relationship to gold. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the Trends Journal, what we can expect as readers? Oh, yeah. We, we just put out the uh, mid-year report. And what we do is, in the beginning of the year, we do a uh, top trends for the coming year. And now we're doing an overview of what we called, what we got right, what we missed, and what's coming ahead. And I have to say, this, this is a year like I've never seen before. Volatility is a key word in it. And again, you know, as a, gold is the safe haven asset in a time of volatility. So that's coming, that's just went out to our subscribers. And of course, the, the Trends Journal used to be a quarterly. Now it's a monthly. We put out trend alerts each week. You mentioned the one we did in, in June, the 21st, I believe. And we do one every week to keep people on top of the trends and ahead of the news. And we also do trends in the news broadcasts uh, every Monday through Thursday. So it's only at the grand total of about 29 cents a day <laughs> for a year. It's only $99. And there's information, a money-back guaranteed, you're not going to find anywhere else. And you mentioned about we're talking about putting all these different aspects together. We call it global nomics. So what happens is opportunity misses those who view the world through the eyes of their profession. So when you're looking at trends, people only look in the area that they're interested in or invested in rather than all the other outside forces that are shaping the future. Mm -hmm. um, Darren actually has a very quick question before you go. Yes, I do have a question, actually. I actually took advantage of hearing you on Coast to Coast last evening, and uh, congratulations to that. It was, again, a, a great interview there. And I heard you discuss, uh, in particular, the topic of divisive, divisiveness in the country, and you're saying and talking about these uh, unity campaigns that will bring people together. And I'm wondering, does that have any connection whatsoever to the mentality that people might have uh, looking at money going forward in the future that they have. We know there's a very, very small percentage of people that actually participate in gold markets, uh, but do you foresee a time when that might change drastically based on what they feel is the best alternative for them to protect their wealth? There's no question about it. And again, what happens is particularly in the state, you know, 40% of our subscription base is overseas. And there's a reason for it, because people outside 
the world wanting to want to know what's going on in the United States don't get any real news. They get dumbed-down news from, from, a, from a moronic media. The point being, what's going on in Italy? What's going on in Germany? What's going on in Hungary? What's going on in Poland? What's going on in Austria? What's going on in France? What's going on in Libya? What's going on in Syria? You, the migrant and refugee crisis is exploding. It's not only here in the States. What we're saying is you're going to see, we believe, and going back to safe haven currencies, kiss the euro goodbye. It's not going to happen within a year or two years. Trends are born, they grow, they mature, reach old age, and die. This one is just born. You're seeing one movement after another. Cinque Stella and the Lega in Italy, the five-star movement in the league. Alternative for Deutschland, the AFD party in Germany. The Freedom Party in Austria. One after another. You're going to start seeing, oh, what happened in Mexico? Oh, they say a anti-establishment person won. Anti-establishment. Going back to your question. People have no faith in the systems. That's why you saw the Bitcoin bounce. It was a millennial's alternative to gold. And you could buy it for pennies and dollars at one time. There is an anti-establishment movement going around in a country near you. Why did Trump win? And you guys know we called him a winner in May of 2016. It was because the people can't stand the established parties. And he presented himself as an outsider. Going back to currencies, yes, people are looking for the ultimate safe haven. Again, that's why you saw a big bounce in the cryptos. It's another alternative. And as we're looking forward, and I said a volatile year, I mean, they're talking about Civil War 2.0 in the United States. What will happen if there's some big event that happens when they close down Wall Street again, as they've done it before, 9-11? What will happen if the banks close? What, what, what's your currency going to be worth? It'll be worth as much as it's worth in Venezuela, as much as it's worth in Turkey, as much as it's worth in India and Indonesia, as much as it's worth to be worthless. So that's why you're seeing when the people are looking at the divisiveness going on, what are the safe havens that I can do and what can I do to protect myself should it become a lot worse, not only in money-wise, but you know, what do I do to protect myself as well? So, no, this is, these are very volatile times, and it's worldwide. Well, Gerald, when it comes to all of this information, they say that the truth is out there, but we've always in, insisted that our listeners and our listenership worldwide, as this goes out to the globe, uh, always try to get behind the headlines. And part of doing that is making sure that good folks like yourself uh, are are 
connected with our community and people get the opportunity to expose themselves to things like the Trends Journal. What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you now or to get onto that website and get uh, and become part of this great, great uh, forecasting that you do? Uh, just go to trendsresearch.com, trendsresearch.com, and it's all there. And well, it couldn't be easier than that. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Gerald, it was a pleasure to have you on the show again. And uh, as you know, we always respect your opinions. We're glad to hear them and our listeners give great feedback when you're there. So we thank you again for that. We hope you have a great uh, week and we enjoyed speaking with you once again. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you. And thank you for all that you do to keep people uh, abreast of what's really going on rather than the stupidity that the dumbed down media is feeding them. Excellent. We continue to try and do our best. Glad to have you on the show. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Gerald? Okay, bye-bye. Excellent. Take care. Bye-bye.